Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rand. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In the sheer issue casserole ain't never been so serious as we check out that Texas blood, plus alien experiments, men in the moon, the dregs of young blood, and some of the most delicious monsters you ever done ate. We all out there on that dang old internet, man. You're just clicking on the imaginers, like speaking on that leet in the one tree, you got to click it, click, click, click it, and keep that Chuck Mangione out of dang old Megalomart. Because the major spoiler podcast on that dang old air, man, you know what I mean? Welcome to issue 1061 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Sorry, Apple Podcasts. Good luck transcribing that. Yeah. Uh, hey, look, everybody. Rand, Rand is back. Welcome back, Rand. It's been a while. Yes. Hello. Yes. Good to be here. We haven't had you here uh, since last year. Yeah, I think it was, I want to say it was November, maybe. How that seems like, that? seems like, it seems like forever ago. Yes. So what's been going on? What's been going on in your world? Yeah, well, in my world, uh, lots of things, actually. I mean, we do have, uh, 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 my band Via Bella is going to be uh, performing at FenCon in Dallas on February 23rd to the 25th. Nice. Uh, we And that will also be the release of our next album, uh, which is going to be uh, live in Germany. Uh, the recordings from our, our trip to Germany are going to be coming out uh, on a CD uh, that weekend as well. So that's kind of exciting. But uh, more, more uh, you know... I don't know about importantly, but uh, more apropos of, of uh, this podcast, uh, there's a comic book that came out uh, last Wednesday called Crashdown, and it's mm-hmm. it's uh, uh, put out by uh, through Whatnot Comics and Massive Comics, and mm-hmm. this comic is written by uh, Tom Garcia and Ryan Sargent. Uh, you might know them from uh, the the uh, Comic Tom 101 uh, uh, YouTube page. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, the art is by Ben Templesmith, who I'm sure you all know. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, uh, through a very strange set of circumstances have, uh, I am the assistant editor, uh, of this comic, uh, that just how, came how did that, how did that happen? Yeah. Well, it happened because, uh, I mentioned that, you know, uh, Tom Garcia, uh, you know, like I said, many of you uh, may know him as comic Tom one one. Uh, he's, a uh, you know, uh, you know, a fairly well regard, well-known uh, personality within uh, within uh, the world of comics, and he is the son of Luis Garcia, who was the drummer for Ukla the Mock. Oh, um, okay. It, Tom Garcia, Tommy is the Tommy from Tommy. Uh, there's nice. the Ukla the Mock song nice. where uh, Adam is talking to Tommy, uh, and who, when he was six years old, and and this is Tom Garcia, and he 
was working on this comic, uh, and uh, they had they had the first issue in the can. Uh, and then he called me up and he said, look, you know, we, would you mind kind of, you know, coming on as a consultant and helping us with this? We're not sure it's where it should be. And so I came in and I basically took all the pages and kind of laid, printed them out, laid them out on the floor and kind of cut up the panels and basically rearranged the pages and the panels, rewrote a bit of the dialogue. And then I went, I scripted four new pages and I said, could you get Ben to draw four more pages? And they said, sure. And they put that together and, and the comic came out, and and uh, Ryan and Tom were really happy with what I did. So they're like, "Hey, would you stick around, uh, you know, for the future issues?" And I was like, "Sure, that sounds, you know." I was like, "Very cool." So, you know, my credit is assistant editor, but I'm really functioning more as a consultant, and it's great because I'm really working creatively. Like I'm just kind of, yeah, I just yeah. Really spend an hour on the phone with them every week, and then we kick files back and forth, and I'm just kind of, you know, working as a, like I said, more of a creative editor. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's like, I don't have to like, you know, I'm not like calling the printer or yelling at the inker that the pages aren't in on time or anything like that, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was my well, fear, you know? The, yeah. That's, that's great. So tell people once again, cause I'm sure they tuned out and now they've tuned back in. What, what's this comic book yeah. name again? And where can people get it? Called Crashdown, one word. Uh, and the first issue, like I said, came out on Wednesday. Uh, it's going to be a four issue series. It's basically going to be a series of four issue series. So uh, over the next three months, the next, you know, the first volume will, will be completed. And then I uh, will take a month or so off and then we'll come back with the second volume. And again, Ben Templesmith is doing the art. Uh, it's published by Whatnot and it's co-published by Whatnot and Massive. Um, and it's essentially, uh, you know, it's, it's like a, the vibe is very much alien slash lost. It's, you know, the idea is that in the future, uh, the sun is dying, and so Earth is trying to find a planet. You know, like various people are leaving the planet, looking for a place to live, and they find uh, the people we're following find a planet that is populated by Lovecraftian tentacle creatures, and it doesn't go well for many of them. I'm going to have to double check. I this this uh, premise and everything feels uh, familiar. I'm going to have to double check and see if we did not get sent a uh, a, a review copy of this uh, last week. I don't see massive in here. Uh, and I don't see whatnot, but I know that that, that premise, um, popped up. So I'll have to go back into my email and see where I can find that. Yeah, but uh, congratulations. Oh, well, thank you. Another yeah, musician, uh-huh. librarian, and comic book editor. Yes. <laughs> also, yeah. Also, uh, you shouldn't uh, just say, oh yeah, we got this, uh, live in Germany album coming out, blah, 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 and move on. Because uh, uh-huh. this was a Kickstarter, and you should be pretty very proud that you funded this thing 118% over what you were looking for. So you should be yes. very, very happy about that. Yeah, I, uh, indeed I am. I uh, Well, thank you. Um, yeah, so yeah, and that will, um, you know, again, that's the, my life for the next, uh, what I want to say, that, you know, the next month of my life is pretty much going to be uh, filling orders and various rewards for the uh, Kickstarter. Uh you know, and I'm hoping to get all those things out in the mail before we uh, before we head out to FenCon in Dallas on February 22nd. Um, so uh, I will say this. I have not watched a Comic Tom 101 video on YouTube, but uh, he's got a very busy channel with lots of subscribers. And I will say it's not because of any hate towards Comic Tom, but I have to be very careful on which random comic book video that I click on on YouTube. Because if you are not careful, 
you are going to click on some trash garbage people's uh, YouTube channels. And then your algorithm is messed up forever. And then all of a sudden you're wondering, why is all this Nazi propaganda showing up in my, my YouTube recommendations? So, yeah. uh, I was very scared because the other day I was, uh, wanted to do a search for, um, a specific comic book show because we had another review that was up on the major spoilers website, uh, this week of astonishing times rise of Koken. And that is mm-hmm. co-authored by, uh, Eris Quinones who, d- who does have a comic book YouTube channel. And I was trying to remember what the name of his channel was. And, uh, I just typed in, you know, comic books just as the general search. And I was just like, what am I going to get? What am I not going to get? And so it was very, very iffy, but I will say this apparently, and this is in the YouTube community, maybe dear, dear listeners out there, you can fill me in more on this. Cause I wasn't going to click on any videos. Apparently there's some controversy about people scamming CGC comic book sales, meaning like they're cracking open the case and replacing, uh, the comics with an inferior version of the comic and then selling them on eBay as, you know, completely slabbed. And apparently that's some big thing. And there's apparently somebody else who is apparently manipulating the comic book market with his YouTube videos. But I didn't want to get into that weirdness, but I was just like, man, I'm completely out of the loop on what comic book YouTubers are doing. Yeah. I had heard, you know, that concept, you know what I mean? You know, of, of kind of, you know, like slipping the comic out of the, yeah, you know, out of the slab and, and putting in, you know, but, but yeah, I don't really know more details than that. All right. I have okay, to admit, cool. I, I come by comics. Like I like reading comics. You know, I've never yeah, been, you know, I never was, Oh, got to get all the alternate covers. Got to get buy two, one to, you know, to bag and board and one to read. You know, I've always been, uh, which is why, I mean, like, you know, this is, I'm kind of coming, coming out of the closet on this one. You know, I mean, I, I love digital. You know oh, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, There's no way I could have my collection without digital. You know, uh, you know, so I definitely, I mean, I, you know, I get the idea of collecting. It's not that I'm, I'm not opposed to it obviously, but yeah, to me, it's like, it's about, I love comics. I love the, the art form. I mean, more than, uh, than the artifact, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. 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 All right. Well, thank you, Rand, and Thank you. And welcome back to oh, yeah. the major spoilers podcast. Uh, I just want to mention to everybody to make sure that they join the major spoilers discord server. You can talk about anything you want over there within reason. I mean, we're not going to have you talk about bad things, uh, but, uh, the, you can join the major spoilers discord server for free. And I say that as a lead into Rodrigo's review this week, because there's a thing that I've been doing the last couple of days. I'm going to do it when I can, and it's just going to be kind of on and off. So you're going to have to catch me when I'm doing it. But uh, if I'm working on one of the shows or working on a major spoilers thing, I've been jumping into Discord and doing a live stream in the channel called Office Hours. And um, you're free to just jump in, say hi, ask a question, have a quick chat with me, whatever. And so today uh, it's uh, Corved, K-O-R-V-D-99 from the Netherlands jumped in. And Megatron Stu, who's in the UK, both jumped in when... Uh, I was doing office hours and we started talking about anime and Megatron stew in one of the other channels. I think it was the television channel had said that after Rodrigo's uh, first episode review of delicious in dungeon, uh, he and his kids sat down and watched it and he's not an anime person, but he thought that delicious in dungeon was 
uh, very interesting and captivating. And he's watched several of the episodes so far. So a lot of people have been asking both on the major spoilers discord and just through general uh, passing bys. So is Rodrigo still watching delicious in dungeon? Is he? Uh, yeah, I am. And <laughs> okay, great. New episode, new, yep. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> uh, this is, this is just me uh, trying for once to not review the same thing as Rand. Um, there you go. No. Uh, so delicious and dungeon still going on. There's four episodes out. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm still enjoying it a lot. Um, there are lots of little surprises. Uh, you, uh, if you see the episode titles, it's usually what they eat. Um, Mm -hmm. so the, I think episode two or three, uh, three was the mollusk one, right? Episode three is a living armor one. Yeah. 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 Right. So they're like, well, how are they going to eat living armor? And they figure out a way to eat it. Um, (laughs) as it turns out, there's something else going on with the living armor that then allows them to eat it. Um, and then this most recent episode is about golems and, they don't eat the golems, but that doesn't mean that the golems aren't used to eat. But probably more importantly, halfway through, a, a raging band of orcs shows up. And it turns out that they have sort of friendly relationship with uh, Senshi, with the dwarf that's sort of been teaching them how to cook monsters. And we end up at an orc enclave in the dungeon. Um, and it is really nice and really interesting. Uh, like delicious and dungeon is just doing everything right that like D and D itself gets wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really what's what's very appealing about it is that it's it's got adventure and and violence. You know what you want out of anime, or I guess what I want about anime, but it's not following that very tight, very done sort of like shonen concept of like this character wants to be the very best like no one ever was at cooking monsters, right? That's not really what's happening. Um, it's like, when you look at something like uh, Demon Slayer, it's like, yes, I know this. I know what's going to happen in this show, right? When you look at Delicious and Dungeon, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what turns things are going to take. You know that food is going to be a big theme in it, but you don't necessarily know how or... Uh, it, how uh, exactly Marcel is going to be grossed out by what happens, um, <laughs> which is always fun. Yeah. So yeah, I watched the, I watched all four episodes. I'm still enjoying it a lot. I would. I have it... watched. Uh, I was going to say I've watched the first three episodes, mm-hmm. and the first two after the second episode, I was like, oh, so this is mostly just going to be them stuck in one layer of the dungeon, just cooking everything they can. But I really got a kick out of the living armor one because it really Mm -hmm. did have like story progression and backstory and stuff in addition to how do we eat some armor, which I liked. And so now I'm very interested in watching the goblin episode. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, been interesting. It's a very casual anime. Yeah, it it is. Uh, Yeah, it's it's not super fast paced. It is, in fact, kind of got a slow pace, which is nice. Weirdly, this reminds me more of Silver Spoon, which is not an action anime, than it does, you know, Record of Lotus War or any other sort of medieval fantasy animes that I've come across. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is does that one have Ricky Schroeder in it too? 
Uh, no. Okay. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't have uh, Pro ZD in it either. But that's because <laughs> it came out probably before he was born. Um. So yeah, those are the, it's good. Four and a half slices of meatloaf. Uh, Very good. Of of a meatloaf that you have to get out of a gelatinous cube or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, that's on Netflix right now. And um, it is a weekly release uh, reminder for people yeah. that haven't heard us talk about this before. They didn't do the whole dump everything at once. Uh, they're, they're doing it weekly. So there you go. And, and I think uh, they're doing it weekly because they're releasing it concurrently in Japan. Ah, so okay. once the whole episode is done, they release it in Japan and the U S very cool. Very cool. All right, Matthew, it's your turn. Let's see what Tim Seeley and Tony Fleeks are doing over at Image Comics with Local Man number nine. Okay, so Local Man, issue number nine, uh, written by Tim Seeley, drawn by uh, Tony Fleeks, also written by Tony Fleeks and drawn by Tim Seeley, uh, is the story of Jack Zaver, who used to be the superhero Crossjack. And... Crossjack sounds exactly like somebody out of Youngblood because that's essentially who he was. And so this issue begins with the terrible revelation. Uh, Jack has returned to his hometown. He has been forbidden to use his superpowers or wear a mask, and yet he continues to do so. And he is basically on house arrest and told that he can't do anything but he's at least hooked up with his ex-girlfriend, Inga, who is married to the town's sheriff. And as we found out last issue, is actually the villain of it all. So, with his, let's say, infidelities uh, exposed, Jack gets thrown in jail, and it turns out that Inga is working in concert with some really, really bad dudes uh, who have been in the background or in the story since issue number one. And I feel like it's really wonderful to see the story progressing because in a previous issue, the very first issue, uh, he called for an Uber. The only Uber in Farmington is a guy in a pickup truck who uh, pulls up and yells F crossjack before he takes him anywhere. So a couple of issues ago, his truck was destroyed, but the insurance settlement has brought him a brand new truck. So now the only Uber driver likes him because he bought me all 375 horses of Black Beauty. But they're, they're trying to figure something out. And of course, Crossjack has the power to always hit his target. And he starts thinking about, in this issue, how that doesn't just mean throwing an arrow he realizes that these instincts that he's had all his life may actually be his power of hitting the target. And so he's trying to figure out what's going on, and the, the Uber driver's like, Sounds to me like you got yourself a fay, uh, maybe a water sprite or something. And he starts explaining everything about the fay and the water sprites. And they get hurt, they got a vengeful streak a mile wide. And then there's just this, Re reaction panel where Crossjack is like utterly silent and then we hear yeah me and my brother been playing them Dungeons and Dragons a bunch so uh, Rodrigo you need to buy this comic in any case uh, something good happens something terrible happens something really terrible happens 
And then there's a tidal wave. So if you say to me, all of those things, those, those sound like scary, scary things. Do I want to read this book? You really do. Uh, Local Man is fascinating because it's not just uh, a story that's telling you something, you know, something superhero-y in an unusual way. It's world building a world that doesn't exist, but making it feel like it has for 25 years. It's taking bits and pieces of things you recognize and things you absolutely know from comics and putting them smack in the middle of this storyline. And it really is a marriage of what image comics was in 1993 and what image comics is in 2024. And I'm totally here for it, especially when we get to the backup story and the backup story starts out as a parody of the walking dead. So if you have not been reading Crossjack, I recommend you do four slices of meatloaf for Crossjack number nine, leading into next month's one shot. I believe it's local man colon bad girls, which means we've hit 1996. I definitely want to see that local man. Good comics. Buy some. All right. Very cool. Um, yeah, it looks interesting. Uh, what, what is the meatloaf rating you're giving this one? Four slices of meatloaf. Four slices of S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-
outstanding. I mean, the line work is amazing. The storytelling is perfect. I, I truly cannot imagine this book looking better than it does. Uh, if you're a fan of the character design of Lilo and Stitch, you are going to fall in love with this comic book. It's it's absolutely beautiful to look at. Uh, I give it four out of five slices of meatloaf uh, with the strong potential. For the first, as a matter of fact, I fully expect that when I'm done with the first storyline that I will, you know, I would award the storyline a five out of five once we get to the end of it. Nice. Very good. Very good. Uh, speaking of Disney movies, uh, this week on Top 5, I have a student of mine that is, uh, in the last uh, year or two, has really crawled into the animation uh, movie hole, and he made a, a a project. Every spring, he sits down and he watches all the movies from, you know, all the James Bond movies, all the whatever movies, and this past spring, he went down the rabbit hole and watched every Disney animated movie in order from 1938, uh, 37, 38, all the way to today. And uh, Christmas Day, he starts messaging me saying, hey, what do you think about this movie? What do you think about this movie? And so um, we had a long conversation about that. And that is leading to this week's top five, where we are talking about our top five least favorite Disney animated movies. Will Lilo and Stitch be on that list? You're going to have to find out. Top five can be found in any good podcast to feed, including Apple Podcasts and over on the Majorspoilers.com website. What do you think, Rand? Is Lilo and Stitch going to make our least favorite Disney animated movie list? I would hope not. Uh, you know, I would uh I would I would be I would be scandalized if it did. How's that? <laughs> okay. All right. Now you're just gonna have to listen and find out if you're gonna be scandalized and have to write an angry ang- angry That's email. Right. <laughs> Fire off an angry missive, yes. Yeah. All right, uh, this week I am taking a look at Moon Man number one from Image Comics. This is uh, from Scott Miscuti uh, or Kid Cootie, uh, the uh, the musician, with uh, art by Marco Lacati, Laco- uh, Laco- uh, and it is this story of an astronaut uh, and his team who have come back from a quote-unquote failed moon mission in which seven minutes of the mission, nobody knows what happens. Everything blacked out. There's no record of it. All of the astronauts themselves uh, have blacked out and they have no recollection of this. They're back on Earth. They're finally being let out of quarantine. And Ramon, who's our title character, uh, heads home to, uh, you know, kind of lead a a quiet life until they can get back to the moon. Now, the company that he was doing this moon mission for is called Janus. And even though Janus is paid for, you know, all of his expenses and his house and his younger brother's uh, college tuition and and uh, his younger brother being able to live in the family house. Uh, Janus is not a good organization. It feels like uh, I don't think it's it's veiled, but it certainly feels like one of the multiple companies that are out there right now that are sending things up into space. Um, and so it feels like Janus is a stand in for either the A company or or the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the X company. But the problem is, uh, Ramon's younger brother wants to go out and go to a protest uh, for Janice. And of course, Ramon is like, don't go. And then things start to get heated as things often go these days when people uh, go and protest. And so Ramon puts on his space suit. It's not quite his space suit that he was in the, in, uh, when he went to uh, the moon mission, but it is a moon helmet and he's got like a moon jumpsuit on, 
that a spaceman might wear. And so when he shows up, people are calling him Moon Man. But the problem is his brother is in real trouble. And just as his brother is about to get into real trouble, uh, Ramon starts exhibiting super fast powers. Like he's a speedster and he's able to just grab his brother and bounce the heck out of there. And of course, a couple of people say, hey, Moon Man, blah, blah, blah. And he starts to realize he has some kind of superpower, but he doesn't know what or why he has these powers. And so it is leading into this discussion of what is my purpose in this world? What is my purpose as a black man? Uh, what is my purpose as a somebody that works for an evil corporation? What do I owe my community? Uh, I think he's in Cleveland, I think is where yeah, Cleveland is where the story takes place. And so that's really interesting. The art, I think, is really cool. Now, was it last week, Rodrigo, where you did the, um, uh, the, was it the Scarred or whatever it, what the title of that was last week? Scarred? Uh, what was the, what was the comment? Oh, Charred Remains. Charred Remains. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so Charred Remains used a <laughs> what very. What did I review last yeah, week? I was trying to, I was trying to, I remembered it had something to do with burned bodies or something. Mm -hmm, uh, but, yeah. uh, uh Charred Remains had a very watercolor um, effect yeah. to it. The art in Moon Man has a very um, art marker, you know, the uh, not, not a highlighter, but like a, a, a water pen kind of look to it. So it's not watercolor, but it's like those those markers that people use to color graphic design type stuff. So, you know, if you go over a stroke a second time, it gets darker, etc., and right. you see that in places in this book where it feels like they have gone over it again with a second pass and left a little bit in there. Um, it's not like you see the marker lines uh, per se, but I like the coloring that is put in here. And I like that the artist is packing a lot into each pages. Now, this is a uh, bonus sized comic book. It says that it's uh, what is it? 48 pages, but really it's like 33 pages of actual story. The panels are well laid out. There's a lot of stuff to to read in here. The double plate page splash where uh, Ramon starts to have a flashback of something that may or may not have happened during the seven minutes uh, is very cool. It's it gets trippy in places, I think. But is this a a good comic? And I want to go back to a major spoilers podcast episode from a couple of months ago, or it was definitely back in October. Where we talked about. Kid Cudi uh, coming up with Moon Man and bringing it to Image Comics. This was the first announcement. Um, and he says, quote, I promise you this comic will be unlike anything you've read before to each and every person that picks up a copy right. and shows support. I love you, blah, blah, blah. Um, is I do, this, I do, I do think it's Cuddy. Oh, Cuddy. Yeah, okay. I think so. yeah. um, apologies. I mean, he's probably gonna be mad after I rip apart his statement here, but. <laughs> I do not think that this comic is unlike anything that you've read before. Someone going into space and coming back with powers. I mean, that's like fantastic Four. Yeah. somebody that has speed powers. Well, there's the flash somebody that's an astronaut, a, a black man, uh, astronaut that's green lantern. Um, sure. so I don't think that, so from this first issue, I do not think that this story is anything new. Maybe after the, the series is done, maybe we'll look at this and say, oh, wow, this was this started off as your hero introduction. And, and now the hero has to decide if he's going to 
you know, fight the man or if he's going to, you know, follow along with what the man does. But this feels very much superhero tropish. And so from this first issue, I don't think that this is anything brand new. And I don't think that this is anything that rocks the boat. Um, I think it's good. I think it's solid. I think if you're trying to introduce potentially his fan base to comic books, I think that that does a very good job of that. Cause I'm sure that there are a lot of, of fans, uh, will go out and say, Oh yes, I love, uh, this artist. I'm going to go buy his comic books. And so I think that you were going to see a, a big boost in that. I should also note Matthew that Kyle Higgins is a co-writer on this series. And Kyle Higgins has just recently been writing a series called radiant black in which a kid suddenly discovers he has superpowers and what is he going to do with those superpowers? Um, I think the art is really, really good in this. I like it a lot. Um, this kind of, and I don't want to, uh, there was a animated movie that came out a couple of years ago. This would have been during lockdown. That was basically the animated movie of a uh, musician's new album. And it was really cool. And it was really cool in how they wove all of the tracks from the album into uh, this giant music video. I, I'm not familiar with uh, Kid Cudi or is that right? Cudi or Cuddy? Cuddy. I'm not familiar with Kid Cudi or his music. I'm sure he's great at what he does. Um, this kind of feels like that Netflix movie that weaves the album in with this. And I'm, 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 I will be curious if there is a moon man album that comes out at some point that says, Hey, listen to this album as you're reading the comic book, uh, for more insight into what's going on. I think that would be very cool. In fact, I think Z2 comics does this, um, at times where they're like, Hey, here's a playlist to listen to as you're reading this comic. So while I was not blown away by what was going on in the pages of this book, I think it did fulfill what they set out to do to tell a new story. Now, is it going to, um, is it going to totally radically change anyone who's a comic book reader's life? No. Is it probably going to bring in a lot of new readers and potentially have them read all of the issues in his series? Oh yeah. Heck yeah. And if that means that they then go out and find radiant black because Kyle Higgins name is attached to it, then that's even better for, for image comics. Um, because this feels very tropish, I'm going to have to knock the rating down. I'm only going to be able to give it three slices of meatloaf out of five. I still think it's very solid. It's just didn't live up to the hype that I was expecting when we talked about this back in October, November. So there you go on that. If you are looking for any new uh, comic book reviews, be sure to head over to Majorspoilers.com where we have new reviews popping up every day of the week. And if you would like some uh, insight into our minds, into our conspiracy fueled minds. If you want to know what we're watching on TV, or if you're interested in what's going on in library services, then you're going to want to check out the major spoilers podcast pre-show where we spend time talking about all those things and more. And the only way you can get the major spoilers podcast pre-show is by becoming a patron over at patreoncom slash major spoilers. Signing up at the silver level membership will get you access to the Major Spoilers podcast pre-show and a bunch of others. And this week, we want to thank Claire Reynolds-Peterson, who upped their pledge by becoming a yearly member. So remember, everybody, if you pay a full year in advance, you get a month free. So if you pay for a year, it's like you're paying for 11 months, and you get that 12th month for free. So 
Claire, thank you so much for updating your pledge and we're giving you the shout out on the show. And dear listener, we're waiting to give you a shout out on the show when you sign up today at patreon.com slash major spoilers. So there you go. I think there are a lot of people thinking it, so I do need to let you know, no relation. I was going to ask, I, I don't know. I, I know a couple of you, you have uh, many sisters. Um, okay. And I didn't know if one of them might be a uh, married relation uh, sister. And that's no, fine. Uh, hey, get, get your family. I know my, I know my parents don't subscribe to the major spoilers, Patreon. So here's your chance dear listener to stick it to my parents by signing up at Patreon and, and becoming the better person uh, by signing up at <laughs> patreon.com slash major spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. None of yeah. my sisters share my name. <laughs> Well, they've all uh, because married. they're all married. They're... Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, well, yeah. All that's right, a, that's a good, that's a good start for a country ballad. None of my sisters share my name. They're all married yeah, to someone else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although, depending on if you use the way that I phrase that lyric, uh, it may come up not. very differently. None of my sisters share my yeah. name. They're all married to somebody else. Um, <laughs> that, then, it becomes really... a love song, and then you're just like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> Randa's feverishly scratching down. This is good stuff. This is gold, Jerry Gold. All right. Let us talk. This is a comic that I discovered probably November uh, of last year, and I don't know why it took me so long to check this out. I think it's because um, what I did was read the Infield Gang Massacre, which is set in the same world as that Texas blood. And I was blown away by the few issues that I had read that I was like, well, what else has Chris Condon done? And he has not done a whole lot of other stuff. I mean, he's got, um, I think, one Marvel book and one DC character. Oh, no, he's got um, he's got an Oni Press book out. Um, let me see if I can if I can find it really quick. That is rather interesting. Um, it's the um, uh, he's got Night People that he's done. And. What's the other one? A uh, Zeno. From uh, from Oni Press. Those are the two that I'm familiar with. He did a story for Harley Quinn, Black, White, and, and Redder. And then he did one for Aftershock Comics. Uh, looks like a wrestling comic, Matthew, yeah. called Hell is a Squared Circle. And it's that's oversized, too. Oh, it is an oversized like comic? Kind of, you know how, like, Aftershock's been doing those kind of, like, books that look kind of like their old-school Marvel graphic novels? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, it, you know, it, it's nice. It's It's a nice-looking book. Oh, well, I have seen the uh, art on that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if this was his first comic book outing of that Texas blood. It does look like it, uh, which it is was, pretty yes. impressive. It, that's pretty impressive. Uh, the other thing is that he got Jacob Phillips, Sean Phillips um, son to do all of the art on this. So if you're familiar with a lot of the stuff that Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips have been doing, uh, Jacob has been coloring uh, their comics. So he gets to do all the art duties in that Texas blood, uh, this one covering issues one through six. And I'm wondering, Rand, if that, if that is why you were interested in talking about that on, on this week's show. Yeah. I mean, I was, I mean, I had read, I, I think I'd read an interview with Chris, uh, Condon, you know, like before this series came out and it was pretty, you know, he made it pretty clear. I mean, well, let's just get it out there. I mean, the anxiety of influence of criminal over, that Texas blood is, it, it casts a pretty big shadow. Oh, sure. Uh, in yes. particular, the main story in this volume is called the brother's conscience. Mm-hmm. And this, that one feels more like a criminal story than anything else Condon has written. 
Um, and I don't mean that as a, uh, you know, as a negative thing. Um, but you know, you know, if you like criminal, you're going to love this for sure. But also, you know, it's, I feel like he, he's kind of escaped that a little bit as the issues have gone on. Uh, and, and what I mean is like a brother's conscience. It's a story of a, of a, a brother who's, you know, someone, you know, he's, he's escaped this town and then his brother who didn't is, is, you know, is killed and he comes back into town and gets sucked into it. And that's pretty much the plot of lawless. Yeah. Uh, the criminal story. Now, again, the story goes in a very different direction. Um, but you know, the, and you know, the fact that, that Jacob Phillips is doing the art, you know, makes it harder to not see that. But you know, the fact is that's kind of what brought me to it. Cause I, as, as you know, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. And so, you know, and like I said, I, I you know, th- my thought was I'll give this first issue a shot and see what happens. And I quite enjoyed the first issue. I thought it was really smart of them. to have the first issue, you know, be more of a character piece about mm-hmm, the sheriff mm-hmm, mm-hmm, before mm-hmm. you launch into a kind of larger story. I thought that was, uh, you know, well done. This um, is, this is really interesting because you're right. Uh, when I first heard of that Texas blood and saw the art, I thought without, you know, cause I don't really pay attention to the creators on that. Just looking at the cover and seeing the Jacob Phillips art. I thought that this was an Ed Brubaker story. And I was like, why haven't I read the, why haven't I read this? Cause I love all this stuff. And then I started reading, I was like, this is really good. And then I realized, Oh no, this isn't Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips at all. And so then I was like, what else has this guy done? And it's like very little. And, um, and I think that that is both a good thing and a bad thing because it allows him to focus on the craft of telling the best story that he can. Uh, so that's the good thing. But the bad thing is I want to read more of what Chris Condon has out there. And so that is, that's the part where things get, um, really kind of sad. Rodrigo, the, as Rand said, the, the first bit is all just character study. And I find that fascinating when you can just spend an entire issue just focusing on a day in the life of our uh, sheriff in Ambrose, Texas, who is um, just trying to get a casserole dish back. Yeah, it, uh, it, it's it doesn't really... That's probably important to note. It's a yeah, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's his He's 70th birthday. We meet him as a very old man, is, is you know. Yeah. Uh, it, really what it does is it, like, puts this... It, it like shows you that this is a small town, right? Because that's the sort of thing that the sheriff can do is just take some time to go find a casserole. Um, everybody knows each other, like everybody knows the sheriff. Everybody addresses him by name. Um, there's never any moment in which he's like, "Okay, tell me your name. Who are you?" Right? It's like he knows everyone in town, so you know that this is a very close knit community, um, and all of that prep work helps then when you start telling, um, was it Randall's story? Randy? Mm-hmm. Randy. Um, yes. Yeah. So because you know that he was part of this community, so people remember him and know him and he left and that left some, uh, some holes because it's a very tight knit community. So it's, it, it's interesting how much work this first issue does to establish all of that without you necessarily realizing it. Um, but then later on it, it sort of like pays dividends when you, uh, when you figure out what's going on. I, I kind of yeah. like the sheriff because 
Joe Bob Coates is his name. You know, he's very inter- introduced as a very laid back, you know, kind of what am I doing with my life kind of, of person. You know, he's like, do I do retirement? Do I not do retirement? Uh, and he's very calm and collected throughout the entire piece. He doesn't at no point do you ever feel like, oh, this guy's going to snap at any minute and start shooting people left and right. Or he's, you know, you don't get the feeling, at least in this book, that he may have any type of corruption um, at all. And so he just feels like a very agreeable sheriff that knows that has what I call institutional memory uh, for people that work at a, at a job for a long enough. You start mm-hmm. to figure out, you know, how the institution works and what it's supposed to do. And it feels like uh, right. the sheriff has that uh, here, because as you said, Rand and, and Rodrigo, that he knows everybody and knows everybody's business. And he has a memory of Randy and his brother getting into trouble. And he knows why uh, Randy's brother was I mean, he doesn't know the exact reason why he was murdered, but he has all the pieces put together. Yeah. And Rodrigo, I absolutely, uh, you know, I just want to kind of underline what you were saying about the, the, the heavy lifting that the first issue does, because there are scenes in that first issue that, you know, get, get unraveled or get, you know, uh, developed or, you know, things that are hinted at in that first issue that, you know, issue 15 issue, you know, like, you know, we finally get to what that was about. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the great things about the concept of the comic is that, like I said, you're meeting, you know, Joe Bob Coates at a 70th birthday. And there's things that happen in that first issue, things that people either mention or things that you'll see, like in a single panel, there'll be like a newspaper, you know, or something where there's like a sentence. And then the future stories are, you know, the, the, the comic is kind of, Un, you know, it's not, it's not chronological. You know? Yeah, because the second like the, volume jumps know, back in, jumps back in time, and it tells a story that is that is uh, mentioned uh, in that first issue. Um, and then, obviously, as you mentioned, there's a, a new uh, comic. Uh, the newest thing they've they've done together is it doesn't involve uh, you know uh, Joe Bob because it takes place you know far in the past. But you know, the idea is that clearly the town is the main character. Um, mm-hmm. But so far every issue of that Texas blood, you know, Joe Bob Coates has been the center of it. It's just, but it's told three very different stories from different times uh, involving him. I wonder, Matthew, have you watched the movie? No country for old men. Probably. Um, I don't have any conscious memory of it. Okay. If that makes any sense, but it's one of those movies that, yeah, I know exactly what happened in it. I just don't necessarily remember the process of finding out that information. So sure. But I mean, it also features a aging sheriff who I feel is going through a lot of the exact same things that Joe Bob Coates is going through. And so I Mm -hmm. feel like no country for old men. If somebody is a fan of no country for old men, then I think they would probably dig this, this first volume of this story because you do have a character who, Hey, it's obvious that there's some spousal abuse going on. It's obvious that someone is too drunk to go take care of a snake. So he's taking care of it. Uh, he doesn't flinch when he finally gets to the casserole dish and the guy in the car blows his brains out. And Mm -hmm. it it, kind of feels uh, like that. So if you haven't seen no country for old men, Matthew, you definitely Mm -hmm. need to watch that movie. Well, we should add this comic ends a lot less frustratingly than no country for old men. Well, yes, that that is true too. That is true too. In fact, um, by, you know, we've been focusing a lot on the first issue because Joe Bob is like this central character, but as we get into this first, uh, next five issues, 
we're following Randy as he tries to piece together, um, you know, who killed his brother and why did his brother die? And, you know, Randy, when he was in Ambrose County, Texas was not a good person. Uh, there's implications that he was either involved in, uh, a, a rape or harassment. And he was definitely, he and his brother were involved in, in drugs a lot. He was able to get out, but it's his brother that, you know, continued to spiral downward. See the reference that kept popping up for me on this was a John sales movie from 96 called Lone Star. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. At Lone Star. I, I feel like, I don't know if it's an influence on this, but if you've seen Lone Star and loved it, this is definitely, you kind of be your jam because I felt like it's that same sort of we're in this dissipated kind of area of the world. And of course, you know, if you come from say, I don't know, uh, rural areas of Kansas, you will definitely feel the truth of all of these moments in these small town moments. The thing with the, the casserole dish just kills me because I swear to you, I, I feel like I've lived that whole moment. But I also feel like one of the, the most wonderful parts of reading that Texas blood is just the dialogue mm-hmm. where you're like, well, found a casserole dish. Well, and at the, the, yeah. the end well. of this arc, yeah, well. there's this moment where somebody comes up to him. He's like, I didn't take you for a smoker. He's like, I didn't take you for a judge. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Killing and no reason for it. Is there ever yeah. a good reason? Well, yeah. I just, all of the back and forth, all of the interactions and the moments that feel like this is a, a real small town. This is a real, you know, macrocosm or microcosm or whichever one is which. Uh, English is my 13th language. So, but most importantly, I feel like it it is a separate beastie from a brewbaker and, uh, and uh, uh, joint. the other Phillips, Sean Phillips. Yeah. A Brubaker Phillips story. I feel like this doesn't quite have that same hard edge to it. I'm not going to say hard boiled, but it doesn't quite have that same hard edge to it. This is more of like, to me, it feels almost like a story that feels like it was written by a more mature mind by an older person rather than a younger creator. And, you know, as somebody who's transitioning into the elderly, I really do appreciate that. I really like the way we see the focus on these unusual characters and the unusuals, not protagonists, I guess, but kind of central figure in the arc. Yeah, I I I would agree with you. Go ahead, Rand. Well, no, you say what you're going to say about agreeing. Yeah, I was going to say, I I will. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. Um, I will say that... um, while you say this isn't as hard edged, it still is pretty graphic and violent because, mm-hmm. um, you know, like there's a whole, I'm just going to go into this bar and murder everybody in the bar. Uh, there is a big bad that to me feels like a cross between angel Martin and, uh, Charles Manson, uh, that, mm-hmm. uh, is, feels very scary. And then when the girlfriend soon to be ex-girlfriend, uh, shows up after he told her not to come, you're like, Oh crap, is she going to die? Is something bad going to happen to her? And so you do have a lot of tension in there and there is some blood. There is there is uh, domestic abuse issues that pop up in here. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, uh, drug use and uh, other things that, that and murder, torture and murder that go on in this. 
Um, so it's don't go into this thinking, oh, well, no, it's it's tame. Matthew said it wasn't hard edge. It's still got a lot of very violent uh, yeah. motifs in it. What but, I think. Yeah. What, what I was, yeah. What so I was yes, going to say, please, please disagree. No, no, no. I, 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 it, it, um, what I what I found interesting to me about this is that, you know, like criminal or your your primary character is always the criminal. You know right. what I mean, the, like you never spend a moment inside the head of a police officer or a, you know a law person, um, and so, but because of that, because their protagonists are always you know the quote bad guys, um, they're written in such a way that you not only can have some deal of you know compassion for their circumstances, the outcomes are aren't as bleak as the outcome in a brother's conscience. And the weird thing is, even though like with at Texas Blood, because your primary character is Joe Bob Coates, you know, I agree that, you know, it's it's more, uh, you know, it's it's not as dark in that sense, because we have this this good character that we can kind of, you know, uh, read the story through. But I don't think there's anything in Criminal that's as bleak as the story of Randy Terrell. Yeah, 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 yeah. His story is someone who got out, seemed to be living a reasonably good and happy life, and just went back to see what was going on with his, with his brother's death. And then it's just a downward spiral from there. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, I think it is incredibly dark and bleak. If you're, if you're following Randy Terrell, if you have any compassion for him as a character, this is way darker than anything that happens in criminal. Yeah. I'm curious too, Rodrigo, because uh, this is not, I mean, criminal, the bad guys get what they're supposed to get or they get away with it. And that's fine. They're, they're bad guys. That's what you expect. This one, it feels like you are rooting for every person who is quote unquote good. You're trying to root for Randy as he goes and tries to get some retribution for those who killed his brother or on those that killed his brother. There's the waitress uh, that got uh, beat up that uh, used to be uh, going with Randy's brother, also Randy a long time ago. You're trying to root for the girlfriend from L.A. You're trying to root for Joe Bob Coates. You're trying to root for there's one other character that I'm kind of like, oh, I hope this character makes it out okay, And really there's not a character in here that makes it out. Okay. Or is there, I mean, uh, it doesn't really change things for Joe Bob. He's, you know, still the sheriff at the end of it, but yeah, uh, because you have all of those very like close connections and everybody's affected. Right. And mm-hmm. a big part of what ends up happening is um, Randy relying on knowledge that he thinks he has because he knows everybody. And as it turns out, he's wrong. Um, yeah. And that causes... Uh, that's that's really where the big like twist comes in and is like, hey, guess what? That was... Uh, you just did all that and that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah, that's that's the other thing that kind of makes this a, a little bit fall fall under that noir category where um, everything just gets worse for everybody. And the twist is you did things for what you thought were the right reasons, but weren't mm-hmm. like a double indemnity or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Is there let me ask you guys about this location, because there has been something, whether you're talking about No Country for Old Men, whether you're talking about. um Crap, there was a uh, bank heist movie a few years ago with either one of the Pines or one of the Thor brothers, uh, or maybe both, that I found very, very fascinating. 
Yeah. Do you mean the Hemsworths? Um, yeah, one of the Hemsworths. Uh, no, I'm talking about Hemdall. It had Hemdall and it had uh, Loki and yeah. no, and then there you have then there's Thor, this movie and then you have Baby Witcher. Yeah. Then there's this movie called um Vengeance about this uh big New York City guy who uh decides he wants to become a crime podcaster, so he has to go to Texas to try to figure out who murdered this girl. But there's something about all of these settings that are very West Texas oriented. And what is it about West Texas that makes it a really good location for storytelling like this, this kind of crime, crime noir uh, storytelling? There's two things. Okay. One, it's isolated. So um, there's like, if something goes wrong, people like nobody's really going to help you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then two, other people have already done it. Like there are plenty of like gritty dramas that take place out in the middle of nowhere in Texas. So people that have never been to Texas can write that because Mm -hmm. all the tropes are already there, right? You just need to pick the ones you like, uh, sprinkle on some new ones and you can write it just like, I feel like I could write a story that took place in New York city, even though I've spent days in new york city right i I haven't Mm -hmm. i i've never lived there i've never been for more than just like sightseeing or whatever but there's so much new york media that you could like write something about new york and you know maybe people wouldn't necessarily think like oh yeah clearly this guy's a new yorker uh but you could write something passable that most people would be like oh yeah that's new york look at that the pizza's so flat yeah 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 barely any volume and I think that is a good point, is that when it comes to, I was I was having a discussion with my child this week about uh, Orientalism and things that pop up in old movies where, you know, you have a character who, this character is from the East. And it's offensive and it's racist, but it's also something where it was there because people thought they knew what that meant. You know, oh, yeah. In 1945, people are like, I know what the East is all about. And in a lot of ways, there are three places within the United States that everybody feels like they know. Rodrigo nailed one. There's New York City. There's Southern California. And then there is Texas, somewhere in Texas. Everybody feels like they know Texas or they've got a, they have a feel for what they know Texas to be. And even if it's just something where it's all colored by, you know, your John Wayne films or something even sillier, you know, you get to the point where it's colored by, I don't know, Joe Bob Briggs, you do have, I I know Texas, I can can talk like I'm from Texas, I did it for four and a half years on a podcast once, but the thing is, whether it's true or not, it's iconic, it's archetypical enough that even if you know better, you buy into it. You have some thoughts on that, Rand? Uh, no. Why, I mean, I West, think... why West Texas lends itself to these kind of stories? The movie that I'm thinking of, by the way, is Hell or High Water, starring Chris Pine, Jeff Bridges, and Ben Foster. Um, uh, right. Kind of a, a Thor kind of, you yep. know, because he, he dated the a other Pine? No, but I I mean, I, I think, you know, really, uh, Rodrigo nailed it, that, that it's, you know, the, there's a, a shorthand exists, and you know, shorthand is comforting uh, you mm-hmm. know, it, it, for writers or readers. You know, let, let's be honest. I mean, we, 
you know, it's easier when you're writing to, you know, to be able to, to feel like you understand what you're writing. And when you're reading or watching, it's easier, you know, it's easier to, to feel like, oh, yeah, I, I understand this. I get this. Um, yeah. yeah. Rodrigo, can yeah, you I, expand I think, a little bit of, about why the loneliness uh, adds to to the uh, to the nature of, of stories like this? Oh, yeah. I mean, so you look at the themes of the story, right? And there's, you know, the, the place is isolated and also the main character is isolated and he isolates himself from other people. Right. He figures out what he thinks he knows and won't hear anything from anybody. And it's sort of like that separation that causes him pain and that causes the people around him pain. And it's the same thing with the town, right? When you hear people talk about this town, it's actually mostly negative stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, nobody is like, oh, I love our little tight knit community or anything like that. Like people are like, how can I? ever reach escape velocity out of this place right yeah or they're just so in it that they don't care right or they're they've already given up or they don't think that there's anything else than the town um and it's you know it's not a great place to be and it just kind of adds to all of that that it's not close to anything else right it's not close to a major city it's not Mm -hmm. close to any sort of like anything that can let the pressure out right like uh, entertainment or anything like that i mean uh, you know i don't know if this is like a fictional town um i think it well, is well definitely the county is yeah yeah but i would not be surprised if there is like a native american casino within like a couple hours of this place cuz i i think that also fits the tropes so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if if that were to pop up i'd be like oh yeah there's that I called it. Yeah. And I mean, and it's maybe not. So there's, uh, so uh, the other, there's two other movies that I would kind of reference for people who might be thinking about that. Uh, The first one is Fargo. If you've been watching the TV, I guess it's more TV series now than, than the movie, but if you've been watching Fargo on FX slash Hulu, whatever it is now, uh, the most recent season, season five with John Hamm also feels very much like, even though it's set in, in, uh, uh, Fargo and also in South Dakota or I'm sorry, North Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, North Dakota, I believe. Uh, it also has this very isolation breeds. Uh, I don't want to say, I don't want to say inbreeding, but it, it, it closed mindedness and everybody knows everybody else's business. And so it, as you said, Rodrigo, it does become very hard for you to escape that that situation because you know, everybody is talking about you and everybody knows your business. So then when something really shocking happens in the case of, uh, Randy Terrell's brother, you know, who's involved in drugs and gets killed and Randy follows that same spiral path for the town, it becomes shocking or maybe even for Joe Bob, it it feels like, Oh no, this is just the way things are. And, and, uh, you know, the, the the wheel in the sky keeps on turning and it, it kind of feels a little bit like Fargo as well. Now, all those things, say for Fargo, all the other things have kind of been West Texas, small Texas uh, town. There is another movie that I really enjoy that that idea of loneliness and isolation uh, plays a part in. Although, unlike Fargo and No Country for Old Men and Hell or High Water or uh, which what's the one that you mentioned? Uh, Lone Star, Matthew. Um, all of those have super downer endings. And and this uh book uh, that texas blood volume one also has a very downer ending 
if you want something that feels kind of akin to this, but has a positive, uplifting uh, tale at the end, even though it's a little bit questionable, is a movie called Yellow Rose about a um, uh, Filipino uh, girl who is here illegally, uh, but she dreams of uh, becoming a country Western star and she is forced to flee and try to find her way in the world in Austin, Texas. Now, Austin is a very big city, but it still maintains a very um, small community, small movie, small story, loneliness kind of vibe to it. So that might be something else. If, if any of the movies that we have talked about or mentioned here, uh, or something that strike a chord with you, then you might want to check out that Texas blood. Um, for me, I really enjoyed this. In fact, we're going to look at all of that Texas blood stuff throughout, uh, this year on the major spoilers podcast. And, and my guess is by the time we hit the end of the year, I do believe that the infield gang massacre should be in trade by then. So towards the end of the year, we'll actually wrap up with, Another series that is set in the county of Ambrose, Texas, doesn't feature any of the characters, but also gets uh, super violent. Let's just I'll give you a heads up if, uh, if if you haven't read it or remember me talking about it on the podcast before a bank robbery goes horribly, horribly wrong. Uh, so that that is that. Uh, so my uh, final thought for this is big thumbs up. I really enjoyed this. This uh, I thought going in, I knew what it was going to be about, and it turned out to be what I thought it was going to be, but not by the people who I thought was, were making it. So Chris Condon, Jacob Phillips, a big, big thumbs up for me. Uh, Matthew, what are your, what are your final thoughts on that Texas blood volume one? I feel like um, Rodrigo may be the only person on this particular panel who does not uh, care for the mystery type stories uh, more than I do. Because I know you love them, I know Rand loves them, and I feel like they're not necessarily my favorites. And while I appreciate what criminal is, I'm not like a boy. I need to run out and get the next uh, arc of criminal. Sure. This, on the other hand, I'm like, yeah, I definitely do want to read more Texas Blood, and I feel like there's a possibility that by the end of the year, I may just, you know, want to hit you over the head with a stick for it. But also, I feel like there's there's a potential here for storytelling that avoids the things that can bug me about those type of stories. And I think that if you're not, you know, the person who goes, Hey, I sure do love me some, you know, criminal. I sure do love me that uh, thing with the guy. What was his name? Had a strange name. It was unlikely. Anyway, you know, the other Brubaker joint. If those aren't your oh, jam. Yeah. Yeah. What was it called? His name was like Howitzer. Yeah, it's not Archer, but it's something like that. Oh, yeah, it's Reckless. Reckless. Reckless, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the the adventures of Jack Reckless. But if you you are sitting at home and you're like, well, this isn't necessarily something I love, know that it's not necessarily something that I love either, but I really connected with this material on the strength of the art and the strength of the writing. All right, very cool. Uh, Rodrigo, final thoughts from you? Um... I'm uh, this usually I only like books like this of exactly one character is an alien. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you know, it tends to be a pass. But this book kept my attention the whole time, and it's mostly people talking. Uh, so that was good. The art does a lot, it's very dynamic for mostly scenes of people talking. Uh, I will say my one complaint is that the script doctor and me saw them bring the girlfriend in 
And then Cabaret exit stage right. And I was like, yeah, that was the thing, too. It was just like, I mean, only to twist the knife deeper into Randy's gut about how his life is falling apart. But nothing happened to her. She came, she showed up, she left. And I was like, "Mm, Like, all right. To me, there were two things. Either she sees it and is horrified and maybe he has to kill her, too. I don't know. Like, at that point, it's still like, exactly what kind of book is this? Mm -hmm. Um, Or she's like, I'm in. Right. And then it's like, okay, this is a different story. And that's probably why they took her away is because if they had actually involved her, it would have become a different story. But that's fine. It's fine. I like it. Okay. Nothing involving her couldn't have been accomplished with a phone call. Right. 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 But I think so. They brought her there to create tension that they just dissipated. Yeah. They didn't really. Yeah. And I I think reading this month to month, I think the tension would be high because this is a thriller story. The tension is high because when you meet the the bad guy who also doesn't play as huge a role as you think he does in this. Um you get into that month to month reading. You're like, Oh crap is next month. Is she going to be dead? Is the angel Martin, uh, uh, man's, uh, Manson uh, character going to, going to murder her. And then next month you get to it and it's like, Oh no, she's just mad. And they broke up and she's going home. And Oh, by the way, we could have told what a dark place Randy was in. Had she actually read one of his scripts, which also kind of makes her, I don't know if that makes her a a lesser character. There is some stuff here that makes me wish that the story was a little longer because it's like, yeah, he's a writer. It's like, is he a good writer? Is he like, there's, there's a lot of stuff. She throws away one of his screenplays um, there at the end, you know, and I'm like, oh, I, that's like probably something. Again, there's just like lots of little things that if like, if this was like a 12, um, like a, a a 12 episode thing on FX or whatever that I would want them to pull out. But then I remember that usually comics actually have more time than TV shows. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, we are, we're never going to see what that is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rand final thoughts from you. Yeah. I mean, basically if you have, you know, enjoyed or wanted to enjoy the works of Ed Rubicker and Sean Phillips, but what's held you back is the fact that all the main characters seem to be the criminals and you want, uh, you know, a kind of a, a kindly 70-year-old police officer to, to walk you through this world, then <laughs> I don't understand why you're not reading this book. This is, uh, this is exactly what you've been waiting for. There you go. Thank you so much, Rand. Uh, tell everybody where they can find your new album, the uh, Live from Germany album. Um, yeah, the new album, uh, well, it is not available yet, but it will be available uh, you know, probably in uh, in March, early March. And you can get it at viabellaband.bandcamp.com. Uh, that's where you'll be able to order the CD or uh, or the MP3s. Very cool. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for taking a listen to us this week. If you found value in the show, we would love for you to join us on our Patreon page where you can find even more fun, including all that talk that I mentioned earlier. Uh, you can find uh, a bunch of other things, including some original art from Carter Johnson and some astrophotography from me. Uh, it's all part of the experience that we call the Major Spoilers Podcast. You can find out more at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Next week, if you're a 2000 AD fan and there's been some 2000 AD news popping up that everybody's excited about next week, we are talking the strontium dog. Why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon.
Fat Dick's revision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Bomb Star Raven reads like a man of iron Might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the hard cold To follow an entire storyline Would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine Be in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler This podcast is copyright 2024 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.